Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. The message today is God expects us to expect of him. And another title, a little more uh, academic sounding, I said, would be Christian Doctrine That Needs God. Now, there are a lot of things. How many of you guys grew up in church? Like, you grew up in church. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you guys did not grow up in church? Awesome. All right, if you grew up in church, there are a few topics you probably heard a lot about. Okay? Because every church pretty much agrees on them. They're very simple. And it, it, they have to do with our responsibilities as Christians. And I'm going to cover a couple of these, and I, I want to bring balance, okay, because I fully agree with these things. Number one, pray. How many of you have ever heard a preacher talk about praying? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. No arguing, we all agree. Worship would be another thing. Romans 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. How many have ever heard someone teach on worship? Agreed. Why is everybody laughing? At least Matthew, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, as, as Bible-believing Christians, we g- agree. We have a responsibility to pray. We have a responsibility to worship. We have a responsibility to give. Uh, Matthew 16, 18 says, when you fast... Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when. He expected Christians to fast. Um, Hebrews 10, 12 says, um, forsake not the gathering together of the saints. How many have ever heard a preacher talk about the value of, of attending church, getting together with, with other Christians? We, we agree on it. Uh, we should read our Bibles. Whenever I say that phrase, I think of the, how many of you guys heard the, 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 the little kids song when you're going to read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. See, I think of that every time I say that phrase. Psalms 1, 1 and 2 says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer, but in... Uh, Hey, I had that one in a different translation. Or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Whatever he does, he prospers. And in his law, he meditates day and night. The Bible says that we meditate on God's word. So, I don't see a lot of shocked and disagreeing faces. Everybody agrees. There are many responsibilities that we have as Christians. The thing is that oftentimes we focus there. There's, in Revelations, there's a picture of of angels in heaven. 
And it says in, in chapter 4, verses 6 through 11, it says, and in front of the throne, there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal around the throne. And on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in the front and behind. First, the living creature like a lion, the second like an ox, the third creature like a face with a face like a human face, and the fourth living creature is a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of whom with six wings are full of eyes all around inside, day and night, without ceasing, they sing, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. So this is, is talking about heaven, and it talks about these creatures that their sole purpose, day and night, is to declare worship to God. Now, here, here's my question. Is that the type of role that God has given us? Did God give us a, a role that was singular in its direction? When he made Adam and Eve, did he instruct Adam and Eve, this is what you're going to do. You're going to worship me day and night, nonstop. Or did God interact with Adam and Eve? Did he walk in the cool of the day and communicate and have communion with them? Genesis 3.8 says that's what he did. John chapter 15, verse 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus describes his relationship with us and he says, you are not just my servant. Your, your purpose is not singular in direction. You don't just serve me. He said, I call you friends because not only do you share with me, but I share everything my father. He says, we have a two-way relationship. Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. God doesn't just expect. Now, are there things? We, we covered them. We all agreed on them. There are things that we can do that God expects of us. But he says that we are his children. And it's sometimes it's far easier to emphasize our actions towards God. So we emphasize prayer and giving and Bible reading and fasting. And we naturally focus our attention on how to fulfill our responsibility. And our, our Christian walk becomes about obedience, but not about faith. We as Christians, often we, we measure our spiritual success just by the fulfillment of our duties. And I agree that we do have responsibilities. I agree that it's good to pray. I agree that it's good to, to read the Bible. I, read that, I agree that it's good to give. But... There is more. We have God's promise that he will never leave us, so we know he won't. But hypothetically, if God disappeared from your relationship, how long would it take you to notice? Would, would we just keep on singing, praying, showing up at church? How two-way is a relationship? God isn't leaving us. But just 
in a thought. I look at myself, and I, I put myself in this boat. You know what? I don't know that I would notice immediately, but I propose that the daily activity that we as Christians, including myself, would often keep on going because we, we have a lopsided relationship with God. When we read the Bible, we can get impressed as we look at the stories of Elisha and how he summoned all the prophets of Baal to witness God's power. When we read in the Bible those stories, when we hear about people like Smith Wigglesworth, how many of you know who Smith Wigglesworth is? There are stories that Smith Wigglesworth shows up at a funeral home, grabs the dead body, pulls it up, and declares that it live. Let's go, and it falls down. He picks it back up, declares that it would live, falls down. I don't remember how many times it was before God raised that person from the dead. And we, we look at these stories, and we're like, man, how did these people dare to expect God to intervene? How did David walk up against a giant with just five stones and a sling? These people knew God was real, and they fully expected God to respond in a noticeable way. They had faith not only that God was real, but that God cared about them. They also had faith that God would respond tangibly to their situation and to their prayers. We've all heard the messages about what does God expect of me? Today's question is, what do I expect of God? Now, there are entire denominations who have, as a foundation of their doctrine, based it that you cannot expect anything from God. God is sovereign. He does what He wants, when He wants. You, you, can't, you can't ever presume to expect anything from God. You just, whatever happens is what he wanted to happen. And so, if something good happens, praise God. If something bad happens, well, he's trying to teach me something. And, and they, have, they have looked in Scripture over and over, and they have found ways to dismiss everything and said, I don't expect it, I just roll with it. However, I don't see that in Scripture when I look in Scripture, I see that God was interacting with the New Testament believers. Paul has an interesting story in Acts chapter 16, 6. It says, Now, when we had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysiae, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit did not permit them. So, passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, Paul it's interesting. Like, they, they just went. And as they're going, they start to go towards this place, and they realize, wait, the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to go there. And then they start for some other place. And then, oh, wait, the Holy Spirit forbade us to go there. 
And then he gets a vision about this place, and he concludes, that must be where the Holy Spirit wants us to go, and they go. It's interesting to me, how many of you, how many of you guys can ride a bike? I, I, I was thinking about, just out of curiosity, finding out how many don't, but I don't want to embarrass you. How many of you remember learning to ride a bike? Did anybody learn to ride a bike stationary? Have you ever tried to balance? Have you ever seen a cyclist who can, who can balance his bike without moving? There are some of those. It's pretty impressive, but that's hard. It is so much easier when you're moving and to make corrections. And if, if you need to go that way, to bunny hop into a circle like this and then, then go is hard. But to just kind of make a big curve and, and, and head around, that works. Paul was going, but he was constantly expecting interaction from the Holy Spirit. And, and he would go for something, and then the Holy Spirit would intervene. And he'd be like, okay. Now, some of us, I think we have this idea that if, if God's going to be a part of my life, I get to sit back and wait until, until he shows up. And so we're just like waiting. You know, when God gives me 17 steps, I'll take one. When I know exactly where I'm going and how many steps it's going to take to get there and who's going to fund it and how it's going to happen, well, then I'm going to start my journey. And if I don't, it must be that he doesn't, he's not involved. But that's not the way Paul lived. That's not the way Abraham lived. God told Abraham, get up, go to a place I will tell you. Or show you. Not, not go to this place. I mean, nowadays, I guess, we're, we're getting used to it with the GPS. Like, you just punch something. Has anyone ever punched in the wrong destination and didn't know it till you got there? Because <laughs> it's just like, turn right, turn left. And you're just like, you're just obeying. And then pretty soon, you're just like, you know, I was headed to Holland, but I'm headed east. <laughs> and what are all these signs for Flint? You know, like... You, you were just following it because you, just, you were okay with one step at a time because you've trusted that after I take that step, I'll get the next step. And I, I think a lot of times, that's, that's the picture I see here with Paul. They expected God to guide them, but they didn't seem to expect to have the entire itinerary in advance. They just... They got up and they got going. And then God would intervene on their behalf. We know that God heals, but do we expect that he will? I believe most Christians are sick of a Christian walk that does not need God's interaction to meet our goals. We know that we have duties. We, we're inspired, but we want to be inspired to have faith, to know God, and to see God move through them. As a, as a teacher, it's easy to focus on the things that we need to do because I know everyone's going to agree. It's one thing to say, pray for the sick. It's another thing to tell people, expect them to recover. Mark 16, 17 through 18 says, and these signs will Follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in, with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink 
if they, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It's one thing to say pray. It's another thing to say expect an answer. John 16, 24 says, until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. It's one thing to say, believe in a spirit realm. It's another thing to say, interact with that spirit realm. It's one thing to say, God is real. But it's another thing to say, he wants to do supernatural things through you. It's one thing to teach what is true and safe. It's another thing to teach what is equally true, but exposes you to critics saying, hey, I don't see everything happening. I believe that a lot of Christians are dissatisfied because they believe God is real and they realize that their walk with him doesn't require him to be. And they know that on one level or another, that's not how it's supposed to be. God is real. Let's step up. Now, all of us are having that thought, but what if? But what if I pray for a sick person and they don't get better? What if I, 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 I witness to someone and they don't accept the Lord? They reject me. They get upset. What if I step out? You know something? What if you go to the, do the hospital and you don't get immediately better? Have you ever noticed? Even secular medicine is practicing. I am, I am shocked at the amount of I don't know that comes up when you st study something like the coronavirus that's been here for a year and a half. Oh, we're, we're not sure. You're sick? Come on in. We'll try some stuff. And we look at that and recognize, and it's so challenging to, to walk that balance where we're inspiring people to step out and have faith, but also acknowledging, you know what? There may be times when for an ununderstood reason, things don't happen. But you know what? We still go to the doctor when... It's only half the time that things work out the way they wanted them to. I can't think of how many times I've talked to people. I feel like I hear it more often than not. I got surgery, it didn't do anything. But they kept trying. But we as Christians are like, you know what? I am not going to pray for the sick until I am 100% sure that I'm going to have 100% results. But I'll go to the doctor for 10% results every day. What if? What if? Listen, listen. What if you pray for the sick and they do recover? Oh. <gasps> There are so many verses that tell us that we can expect answers to prayer. I, I have been there. I have done it myself, and I have been in the room. When, when people pray, and then we, we find that we're not praying a very bold prayer because we don't want to pray something that won't be obvious if it's not answered. Don't raise your hand, but anybody ever done that? You know, it's kind of like, oh, God, please do something if you want to. <laughs> You know what? If he did something, great, my prayer worked. If he didn't, well, my prayer worked. Look, John chapter 14, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
John 14, 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Why did God promise answer to prayer? So that we would go have fruit and that fruit would remain. And in John 14, 13, it said so that the Son would be glorified or the Father would be glorified through the Son. Do you realize we are God's show and tell. We are his show and tell. I need you to understand something. We don't have to have 100% success. Get that out of your mind. Do I want 100%? Absolutely. I'm striving for it, but we don't need it. The world is not expecting perfection. They just want to see a genuine relationship with a real God. John 16, 23, in that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Man, it is so challenging to consider putting your neck out. It's hard to find those messages sometimes. Even, even when someone believes in the supernatural, it's kind of like they prefer not to open that can of worms and, and tell other people to expect it, since doing so would bring out the flakes and create who would, who would create manifestations that aren't God at all. I think I shared this with you a while back, but I was reading the denominational um, creed of, of a church nearby. And I was encouraged because in 2016, their denomination met all their leaders together. They had previously said that all the gifts of the Spirit were, were ceased and weren't happening. And they got together and they wrote and they said, um, we see in the fruit of our churches and the churches, our sisters in Christ who embrace the gifts, that there is, that God is moving. And they said, we are choosing to no longer deny that that is for today. We'll accept that it is. However, teaching on it is very messy, so we don't recommend it. Literally. And I just thought, whoa. I mean, I, I was excited because at least they're not where they were. But I realized I've never put that down on paper, but there are moments when I've been guilty of the same thing, where I've thought to myself, you know, I know this could be and can be, but I don't know if I want to get messy enough to go out there and just expect it. Am I gonna, willing to be messy enough to expect that? And so these solid Christians either expend their energy on everything except the supernatural. You know what? I'm going to be a perfect attendee at church. My, search, my, my attendance record will be flawless. My giving record will be, you know, exact. And I'm going to do everything in the natural I can do. And these Christians, either, either they, do, they just focus on the natural until they die and find out that there was more available that they missed out on, or they get fed up with the charade, recognizing there, I know there's more, and if, if, if any, nobody around me is going to pursue it, then I'm not going to sit here and pretend. I think there are a lot of people who have left the church 
because we wouldn't risk believing that God wants to move. Mark 16, 17 through 20 says this, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. That's the end of Mark. The book of Matthew closes with this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I will surely be with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 10, 8 says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Did you just catch that? I want to read that verse again. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Anybody else got to check to see if that one's in your Bible too? Raise the dead. My Bible tells me to go out there and that I am authorized to raise the dead. You know, I remember pulling up to a car accident. I was the first one there. Like I had just watched this car like go off, tumble and, and, and turn, running up there and praying for the person that was there, bleeding, calling the ambulance. And I remember as I was running up to the car thinking, what will I do if they're dead? What, what do I do if they're already dead? And I remember deciding, okay, you know, and, and it was a little bit easier because there was no one else watching. I'm like, he's not going to care. I'm like, if he's dead, I'm going to pray for him anyway. And he wasn't. He was alive. So I personally have not raised the dead, but I've prayed for blind eyes. I've seen them open. I've prayed for tumors that then they went to the doctor and they disappeared. We've prayed. Now, but we've talked about this a few weeks ago. You can't live on what did happen. The Israelites saw miracles galore, but just witnessing something doesn't fix your relationship with God. But God has called you to a two-way relationship. He has authorized you to pray prayers of faith, to receive answers. He has authorized you, say me, not just the leaders in the church. Because what is the church? The church is simply the place where we come together, we fellowship, and we get equipped to go be the church, to do the work of the ministry. I am preaching to myself as much as I am preaching to you when I say, I want to encourage you, expect God to interact with your life. Expect the supernatural to be a part of your daily life. When you get up in the morning and you start going about your business and you're doing what it is you're doing, you can, like Paul, say, you know what? These are my plans, God. Feel free to intervene anytime. Be listening. You know, Paul could have had that vision, got up the next day and said, you know what? We're just doing what we're planning to do. Too much pizza. He could have ignored it. No. 
But the Bible says, it uses, we concluded that that was a message from the Holy Spirit. They reacted. He expected God to be a part of what was going on in his life. God gave us authority. The Bible says in Luke 9, 1 through 2, it says, then he called his disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons. How many demons? Realize, like all of them. Like, I think I shared with you guys the story about being on a mission trip when someone had the, a demon cast out of them and the whole group of, of Christians all got freaked out and nobody wanted to stay on that same floor because they were afraid. And I was like, ah, that's not what the Bible tells us. The, Bible, the, the demon left because of our authority. Your fear just empowers it to come back. Recognize that you have authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of this dark age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You and I live in a supernatural world. Do you agree? Hey, we know it. We believe it. We as Christians, especially those of us who grew up in the church, we have been through over and over what God expects of us. Some of us aren't following it very well, but most of you have heard it already. However, today I want to challenge you to expect more from God. Live a Christian walk that requires interaction with God. I think many of us don't experience it because we don't expect it. We don't step out for it. We don't take that step. We walk up to the edge, and then we just wait for God to push. You know what, God? If you want something supernatural to happen in my life, you're going to have to, like, surprise me with it. You're going to have to make me happen. You know what? You know, I, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll mumble a little prayer over, you know, for somebody who's sick. I won't tell them that I'm praying for them, but then, you know, we don't take that step where we expect. And you know something? I just want to challenge you. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst? You, you witness to someone at, at, at your work and they don't, they don't come to church. You invite them to church and they don't come. You pray for someone and, and, and they don't get healed. Okay. But what if they do? What about the times that they do? How many of those have we missed? Because all we could envision is what if they don't? We didn't expect. We didn't dare. I, <laughs> whenever I'm, I'm teaching a message, I always struggle with, with trying to find balance. Because if I teach on uh, honoring your parents, Someone will come up afterwards and say, well, what about the physically abusive parent? Um, if I teach on marriage, then what about the person, you know, staying married and, and working on your marriage? Someone comes up, well, what about the person whose life is in danger? If I talk about giving, someone says, well, what about saving? If I talk about saving, someone says, what about giving? And if I talk about faith, someone says, what if there's not a miracle? But do you realize, I don't, I'm not trying to, I don't, I don't want to encourage anyone to do something stupid. I am not telling people that when your kid gets sick, don't take them to the doctor because, no. That's not what I'm saying. 
I am saying that God has designed our Christian walk to be a two-way street. Yes, he has called us to things. There are way, things that he expects of us, but he invites us to expect of him. And I encourage you to live a Christian walk that expects of him. Use wisdom. I, I take my kids to the doctor, but I pray for them. And ultimately, I put my faith in protection in God. And he can use the doctors. He can use the supernatural. I'm, either way. And when God speaks to me, and there's times, and we don't have time to cover it today, but there, are, there is faith. There's special faith. There's gifts of faith. There's all kinds of stuff you can listen to. Uh, I think that uh, Emily taught on that last women's meeting, and you'll find that online if you'd like to, to look at that. But I'm not asking people to get weird. I'm asking you to get brave. Dare to believe what God has said. If you want to learn to ride a bike, start moving. Don't stand still and expect to become a skilled rider. Get up, start moving, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He will protect you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you I thank you that you call us your friends. I thank you that you desire and designed us for two-way relationship with you. I ask that you would inspire us. Lord, I pray that you would use this, this message to, to stir our Christian walks, to inspire us to expect of you to dare to live a life supernaturally. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you know that your sins are forgiven, that God has, has uh, forgiven you and that you're on your way to heaven, I want to ask you to raise your hand. Lots of hands. Because the Bible tells us we can know we have salvation. We don't have to wonder. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. You can know it. And it just takes what that scripture described, confessing and believing. If you have not done that, if you don't know for sure, I want to give you that opportunity. If you're watching online or if you're here today, with every head bowed just for a moment, I want to encourage you, today can be that day where you accept forgiveness, you get right with God, and you can start from there on that supernatural journey we talked about. If that's you and you want to pray that prayer today, I want to ask you to raise your hand, and we'll do it together. All right. I see one person's hand, and I also know that there may be some of you watching online, so let's all pray together. Say, Dear God, I believe that you love me and that you died for my sins so I could be forgiven. I accept your forgiveness. I believe you rose from the dead, defeating death and the devil. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.